We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. By now, you know the deal, but we'll go through the spiel anyway. I'm Kel Dansby. Yep, and it's Andreas Hale. And we're coming at you today, which is a Friday, just like last week's episode. We're trying to get back on pace and catch up, but it's hectic. We're preparing for UFC 200 week, which takes a ton of work. And we're both writing articles, you know, doing shows uh, outside of this. So we're two busy guys, but still we're bringing you this episode because we know you guys want to hear our takes. There's been a lot happening in the world of MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling to cover over the past week, so we'll jump into that. But before, first, before we even get into that, I have to ask Andreas something. You know, him being the music guy, he got that ear. What do you think of designer's freestyle for the freshman XXL joint? Uh. we really gotta start with this guy yo i I need to know like your expert ear what'd you hear in that freestyle is it just nothing but flame emojis yeah i mean dog he the kid is nothing special man i mean uh, it's just garbage it's a lot of garbage (laughs) one hit wonder yeah i mean does he does he have another song that you care to listen to no, I don't understand the lyrics of his first song. I don't, I don't want to listen to anything exactly. else. Exactly. That Panda joint is, I mean, when his album drops, it's going to be Panda, Panda featuring somebody, Panda Remix 2 featuring somebody else, Panda, like, dude, he's got bras in Atlanta, but then he don't show up to Atlanta shows. So, 
Yo, I, bro, I don't like. I don't want to talk about designer man. I, that's it's indicative of where we're at in hip hop today. When cats like designer are getting like love for one, literally one song, one song, and nothing else backing it up. Not a freestyle. Not a not a, another dope. Nothing. Nothing. Just kind of here. Hey, got him a placement on <laughs> Kanye's album. Damn near might get him a Grammy for his placement on Kanye's man. album. So, so you never know. He, he took a picture with Pharrell the other day. What a time to be alive. For him. For the rest <laughs> of us, not so much. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump in on some of the stuff we missed uh, last week. Let's start something, you know, outside of the realm of combat sports. LeBron came back and won it. Dude. All right. First of all, I got to say this. If you pick the Cavs to win in seven, you are probably lying or you're a diehard Cavs fan. I don't think anybody saw this coming after they were down three games to one. But with that being said, the level of slander that went out for – I said it on Twitter at the start of game five. The level of slander that went at LeBron James was unheard of, and I just didn't understand it. You know, I was like, yo, he's down 3-1 to the best team in the history of the, of the league, and he's going to do what he has to do, but Kevin Love isn't showing up. Now – Y'all back to the praise hands, calling this man the second greatest ball player of all time. Y'all funny, man. Y'all are real funny. I just didn't, I didn't expect them to come back and win. You know, I, I didn't see this coming. But LeBron strapped him on his back. Kyrie showed why he's an elite point guard. I mean, he's not even a point guard to the truest form. He's more of an Allen Iverson type of point guard, a scoring guard. But when you let that man do, do what he has to do, he's going to get the job done. And I... I wanted to say that the Warriors collapsed, but I have to give a lot of credit to the Cavs because they could have just threw in the towel at Oracle. There was two games in Oracle that they should have lost. They could have lost, and they came out there guns blazing and never backed down. They won this series. Um, a lot of credit to those guys. And anybody, if you still got slander for LeBron, if you got slander for Curry, then you're just, I mean, the kid's just good, but he just had a bad series. He had a really mediocre series for the unanimous MVP. To me, they hit the wall. Like, that's when you see the Cavs, you know, sweeping their first two opponents in the playoffs, then going through a, a kind of tough series in the final, in the Easter Conference finals, but there was no threat there. And the entire way for the Golden State Warriors was difficult. Even in the five games against Portland, those weren't easy games. So Golden State had like a tougher road to go, being down 3-1 versus the Thunder. So even being up, they had a lot of miles on them. And you saw uh, Andre Iguodala, which is probably the reason they won it last year. He got the MVP for a reason. His defense on Braun, all the extra stuff that he did. It wasn't Curry that won him the championship last year. It wasn't Clay. Andre did his thing, and that's why he deserved the award. And this year, he was injured coming down the stretch because it was just too many miles on him. So it caught up to him. Shout out to LeBron and the Cavs for taking advantage. And shout out to LeBron for rocking the Undertaker tee before game five. And that's what started everything. No, this man's got subliminal messages everywhere. Like <laughs> the, the Undertaker tea, the Ultimate Warrior tea, the the sipping tea hat. Like, yo, LeBron, he just has something to prove. And I've said it since LeBron first got in the league. He's got the talent to be the greatest player of all time. But he won't be. Michael Jordan will always be that. 6-0 and in the NBA Finals with six championships, six MVPs. You can't beat that. Like, you just can't do it. But what LeBron accomplished by coming home, it's probably one of the best stories in the NBA. 
in the history of the NBA, a man who came home after being maligned by Dan Gilbert for leaving, which I, you know, I figured he deserved that. A lot of people was like, yo, he should do what he wants. No, you left home in the most ridiculous way possible on national television, breaking kids' hearts at the Boys and Girls Club. And then you, you go to my you don't win the, the, the three or four championships, but you do win a couple, but you decide to come back home. And everybody thought they were the favorites to win the championship. However, this Warriors team kind of came out of the blue on everybody and was just destroying people. And Steph Curry's ascent to greatness was unheard of. But what LeBron did this season, really putting this team on his back, and then you know getting to the NBA Finals uh, as an Eastern Conference team that had Back in February, so we, they had no chance in hell. They fired Blatt, their coach. Like, I mean, yeah. What did you say? They fired their coach in February. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, David Blatt was out of there. LeBron's micromanaging the team. Kevin, I mean, for regardless of what you think about Kevin Love, it's been a, a terribly rocky road in Cleveland for him. And LeBron took this team and played a 73-9 and Warriors team down three games to one and brought a title back home. It doesn't get much better than that. Now, people are saying, you know, maybe he leaves Cleveland. You don't leave Cleveland. You try to win another one in Cleveland. You know, if Kevin Love's got to go to Boston, I mean, he shouldn't even – I mean, you know, granted, he did play a decent game seven. I, I, I was like, yo, ship his, his ring somewhere else. Like, give it to somebody else. But there's another story here, and it's not a slander story against Steph Curry. It's the fact that there has been two NBA finals, and Steph Curry didn't play his best ball in either NBA finals. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that it's over for him, but this is crushing. It's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back next year because the criticism is going to come that he didn't show up for two NBA finals, that his team nearly bailed him out. Draymond Green nearly bailed him out in game seven. And, I mean, Draymond played a hell of a game, and they didn't give him the ball enough in the fourth quarter. Um, But, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. But the Cavs... Great parade, Kevin Love. The only props he gets from me is because the man wore a Stone Cold shirt carrying around a WWE championship belt. That man gets credit for that. He needs to be <laughs> on this show for that. But as far as basketball is concerned, Kevin Love's got to get it together. He might not be in Cleveland next year. Yes, I mean, Steph Steph got a lot to prove just, you know, coming into next year. You know, quiet is kept. He hasn't been the best player on his team in any playoff series. Not one. Klay Thompson bailed him out against uh, OKC. You go back in the round before then, the bench carried them. Draymond Green had the best uh, series against Portland. Granted, there was no big really to match up with him. But, you know, Steph hasn't been the MVP of any playoff series, let alone just the finals. So he's going to have to correct that. And that's probably the past two years. And then, you know, the Cavs, like you said, Stone Cold made the appearance, a.k.a. Kevin Love. I like that. I like that he has a little attitude, even though he didn't live up to, quote-unquote, the the expectations in Cleveland. He's a champion, and he's acting like it, and holding two belts up and living it up, playing beer pong at his house the night after. Kevin Love is really soaking it in, because staying in Minnesota wouldn't have won him this. So he was playing with house money anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, He just didn't, you know. I mean, as good as Kevin Love looked in Minnesota, he's, he's a guy who filled up the statue. In Cleveland, he just he just didn't show up. He did. He just got lost in the sauce. Kyrie, on the other hand, just played next level basketball. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, Kyrie, that, he can ball, score with anyone. He, he took it up defensively. Yeah, man. In the last two games, <clears throat> which no one he saw coming. Um, and we'll see how that translates into next year. I think LeBron stays on the one year contract. Uh, I, I think he's gone after next year, though. Um, 
something I thought as soon as the Knicks, we, we don't have time to touch on that really, but the Knicks made the trade for Derrick Rose. And I think Derrick Rose is just like a filler piece. I think next year we see LeBron go to New York, you know, with the with the band of brothers as they are. Um, D Wade's a free agent this year. I think he reads up for one year and the player option. He opts out. Chris Paul's an unrestricted free agent after next year. And I the cap goes up. So I think they all take a little less money to join Melo in New York. So they got one more year of yeah. I think he could bring the championship I, I, and then ride out in New York with his, you know, his three friends and they, they ride out for the last four years of their careers. Yeah, I don't see that one coming. Uh, and I'm a Knicks fan. I'm just I, I don't like Knicks. Fans. I don't I don't like the and, Knicks you know, either. I, and I'm in New York. My whole family is Knicks fans, and I make fun of them constantly. It's just uh, they've positioned yeah. themselves kind of like Miami did, where you can see the little pieces moving, and they get rid of this guy, they get rid of that guy, and they start clearing cap early enough, and you just see the pieces moving and working and working. And uh, I, I think that's where they are now. I just don't think they get LeBron. I don't think LeBron has any interest going into New York. If the other um, three go there, I, no, he just wants to play with those guys. I don't think it necessarily matters where it is. It just so happens New York positioned yep. themselves to do so. Why don't Why don't Dwayne Wade just come to Cleveland? It would make I sense. Mean, <laughs> it would. Make I mean, so I came sense. to Miami to help you out. Why don't you come to Cleveland and help me out? Listen, I mean, it, this is home for LeBron. Like LeBron bailing is going to set Dan Gilbert off again, which Dan Gilbert's an idiot for the way he went off the first time, but. Like to stay, you might as well stay home if you could bring your team multiple championships. And That's Kyrie cool. is twenty four. Yeah, you don't leave a like, twenty four year old really. I mean, but when you nah. only have so many years left and you're carrying the team anyway, it's nice to win with your friends, so to speak. You know, just go and just ride out into the sunset with your friends and try to bring them a championship. <laughs> Chris Paul, listen, Chris Paul and Carmelo are tired of going on vacation every summer with these guys and not having any jewelry. They're like, yo, are you going to bless us with one? You got Kevin Love a ring. Like, you can't get us a ring. So I think we see Bruh, that, I don't, you know, come together <laughs> eventually. I just, I don't even know. Like, if they go to New York, the funny thing is, I don't know if they win. I mean, Carmelo might be on the injury reserve in, by the 30 East. games of the season. He, it's the East. It's, yeah, but I don't know if they win the championship. They win the championship. Like, Chris Paul. So you have Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade. In two years? LeBron at power forward and Carmelo at small forward. In two years, they're winning the championship. There's no one else in the East. Look, I'm going to tell you exactly what that team would look like. The Houston Rockets that have Barkley, Drexler, and Pippen. Granted, LeBron is much better, but that's a much older team. Two years from now, is that like who knows what Dwayne Wade is going to feel like in two years? I the, like go ahead. Like if the Knicks do it, great, fantastic. But I don't know if that team can hold up for 82 games in a group and through the playoffs because I. That's gonna Bodies, be, man. It's going to be a, a task, but I think they could do it. And plus, they got Porzingis still there. The Porzingis got at the stretch five. Yeah, I just it, don't it see it happen. It's it going to be, be bad. bad it wouldn't Yo, be a bad mix. You just made Knicks fans dumb excited right now because they're not getting <laughs> Kevin Durant. You can hang that shit up. No, no, no. I don't think they get Durant. You just Durant. made it. <laughs> but they just can't panic. And this, is, this is the Knicks. I, I know Knicks fans are super happy right now. But the Knicks are going to go Knicks, and they're going to panic and like give Dwight Howard a max contract or something, and just crush the dreams. Oh, yeah. Right now, you just got to stick to the plan. Like if you add no more players and just go with D Rose, Melo, and Porzingis next year, everyone is off the cap. You could bring in those three guys. You win championships. If you panic and try to go get Al Horford or Dwight Howard, then it's going to be a dream crusher, and you guys are going to suck again. And the Knicks are destined to be trash ever since they traded Patrick Ewing. You don't trade. 
Patrick Ewing. Ever since they rigged, ever since they rigged the NBA lottery to get Pat Ewing, they've been jinxed. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're, that's just a jinx franchise, man. I mean, the Allen Houston rule is because of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, like damn shit. yo, it doesn't get any worse for that. Sorry, sorry, Knicks fans. I just don't <laughs> like y'all franchise, and I don't like y'all fans. I swear to God that every time you get a free agent, you're going to the playoffs. You are the place where point guards go to die. Oh, yeah. You know, D-Rose ain't got no knees, and people are just super hype off him. That tells you the state of the Knicks right now. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's move on, man. Yeah, let's, we, let's I can play to the Knicks for Eon. <laughs> let's switch over and talk combat sports. Let's start with the, the WWE and someone else who deserves to be slandered right now, but he's not. Roman Reigns, suspended for 30 days. And ain't shit wrong with it. Like, I don't hear any negatives towards Roman Reigns. No one's even mentioned him. He's still in the match with uh, Ambrose and Rollins, which we'll talk about and review the pay-per-view here in a second on how it went down. But there's no penalty for Roman Reigns? Well, we, we don't really know what the penalty is. I think this came at the kind of the worst time for the WWE. It's You've got the draft coming up, and you've got Battleground, and you've, you've got this kind of pull the trigger too soon triple threat match between the shield. But now you got a man who's not going to be able to promote it because he uh, fumbled on the wellness policy. And, you know, there's some people that said it was weed. I don't think it was weed. I think it was something else. And we'll find out soon enough how this affects that match. I mean, I know they didn't say anything on SmackDown, but they got to figure this out because you have the draft. That's the thing I'm more concerned about. It's not necessarily battleground. It's the draft. And where Roman Reigns goes and having him off of television for so many weeks, it's like, does he go to the back of the line at this point? Do you kind of give up on the experiment? Because clearly he took that opportunity that nobody felt like he deserved and then just kind of threw it in the shit. Just took a shit on it. Yeah, I mean, to me, he was wrestling good enough to be champion. He still can't do shit else, but there's other people to talk for him now. Uh, at least his opponents could talk and carry promos. So he was actually building himself into, okay, Roman, you can hold the belt. Drop the belt, get it back, fine. Like, you're believable as champion. And then now he does this. And then it's just like, yo, there's no mention of anything. They're just going to let him slide. And then it's just another reminder that he's Vince McMahon's boy. And the fans hate that most above all. It's like, okay, punish him. Take him out of the match. Acknowledge that he failed. Do something. So you're just going to pretend nothing happens just so the women and children who are casual fans don't know. And when he comes back, the women and children who love him are still going to cheer him because you didn't make mention of it. Mind you, the grown-ass men, adult wrestling fans, know exactly what happens, but we're not the target audience. So they're just going to play it out. Vince McMahon is going to play everything stupid. And Roman Reigns is going to get booed more than he was booed before. And there's going to be great chants about him failing tests. It's going to be like Barry Bonds when he came back and tried to play, and people were throwing shit at him. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm just not, you know, now that, now that this uh, this is taking place and the time, I mean, you makes you wonder when they found this out and if they waited till after Money in the Bank and Raw to announce it. But then it makes you also curious because if it happened before and they decided to do the title switch, which we're about to talk about, they should have, I mean, I would, would have expected them to say something before Raw instead of booking this triple threat match. So who knows exactly when they found out, but man, what a dumbass. <laughs> Come on, Roman. That was a dumbass move. Yeah, I mean, Meltzer uh, said on his show that it was known beforehand. Um, 
we'll see. I mean, that it kind of explained why Ambrose cashed in right away, even though I expected the immediate cash in anyway. With the brand split and only having one money in the bank match, it makes a lot of sense to immediately cash in because it just adds another piece to complicate matters when they split. It's like, what if, you know, you were planning for this guy to get drafted to Raw, the other guy gets drafted to SmackDown, and you can't cash in if there's one title. It's, it's just a lot going on there. So um, the immediate split, you know, no money in the bank for the rest of the year. You can just work on the brand split. And then next year, if you want two ladder matches, if there's two belts, you figure it out then. So it makes sense. Um, I didn't think Ambrose was going to get it, but it turns out Ambrose wins money in the bank uh, at the pay-per-view. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's yeah. talk about the pay-per-view. Uh, you um, predicted Owens. Uh, I thought it'd be a good place for Zayn to just, you know, really capture the the briefcase and the underdog role would be a big pop, and then maybe him and Owens ladder match for the briefcase later. Maybe Owens would have gotten it then, but um, yeah, we were both wrong. And what they teased on Monday Night Raw last week actually came to fruition. Yeah, I guess that heat check was, uh, they felt like it was time to pull the trigger. Uh, first of all, the pay-per-view as a whole, I was there, um, and the energy there was great. It was just, it was really long. And it didn't feel long being there, but now when I think about it, there was so much filler on that card. Yeah, like it was just. I remember me first. I left and was look, looking for merch with my nephew during Titus and Rusev. No, I'm sorry, not during Titus and Rusev. I was watching Game Seven on my iPhone, streaming it in the in the building. Just like Titus, everyone else, uh, it was a perfectly timed match. By the way, up. perfectly timed match. Yeah, it was. It was booked perfectly. Um, I didn't watch like I, I went was walking around during the uh, the Charlotte Dana Brooke and uh, I mean the, which, what match was that and Paige and Becky match. I didn't watch that. I, I yeah. kind of like saw didn't miss just much. when Natalia turned heel. Yeah, yeah, like the Ziggler the Ziggler Baron Corbin match was unnecessary. Didn't need to be there. Baron Corbin's got a lot of work to do, by the way, because this guy doesn't he doesn't understand pacing in matches with somebody like like Dolph Ziggler, who can kind of take you through a match and, and make it somewhat enjoyable. The fact that we were giving him boring chance says a lot. Um, and, I mean, the tag match was great, but the, what a fucking weird finish. What? The, <laughs> like, it was yo, botch it was... after botch after botch. Like, Gallows and Anderson were kind of lost. I'm not sure if uh, – and it's weird considering, you know, Gallows came up through the WWE. He should understand, like, the cameras and the placement of everything – and how they really expose things in matches. Uh, but they were lost. And the cameras caught it every damn time they messed up. Like, you can't pull the, well, the, the leg what? at the right time to, you know, mess up the cover. I think it was Enzo who had the cover, and they, he didn't get his leg in time. So the ref, it looked like it was a three count, but then it wasn't. It, it was so weird. Yeah, there was, there was a lot that went wrong. I mean, there was a couple of spots that cast this. There was a lot of things. That just kind of went wrong in that match, and it was really sloppy. Um, I mean, the crowd was into it, but yeah, that that finish was weird. Um, but I mean, we'll talk about the big three, and we'll start with the Money in the Bank ladder match. And yeah, I mean, the spot that Kevin Owens took from it was the body slam on the edge of the ladder, which happened in PWG, and I want to happen say it happened that particular spot happened at Steamwolf, but that looked brutal. Um, <laughs> the way Kevin was just kind of bent over that ladder. Uh, but the match was fun. It wasn't the greatest ladder match we've seen, but it was probably one of the ones that we just really didn't know who was going to win. There, yeah. was, there was a lot of hope spots. 
I told you there's going to be a lot of whole spots for Sammy. Throughout that match, he had a ton of whole spots. They loved right? that. And the crowd lit up the, every time. Every yeah, time. He got close. Uh, he got close. Kevin Owens looked great. Uh, Del Rio Alberto really Del did. Rio looked phenomenal yeah, in that match. Um, but he didn't have like enough chances to tease winning the match. But he had great spots. He didn't like, need it. Um, the turnbuckle, like when he goes up and he does his finisher from there, when he hits Cesaro in the face with it, he, he looked really strong in that match. Yeah, it, it was booked well. It wasn't a, like a super brutal match. It wasn't like the most memorable match. But uh, I don't remember you know, old man Jericho winning. at all, by the way. Um, yeah, well, he was there. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, present, I don't remember but, him uh, doing anything. So that's like the craziest part to me. Everyone else had great yeah, spots. But, old man Jericho was unnecessary. Yeah, all in all, it was a good match. It wasn't great. Um, Ambrose winning was a little bit of a surprise. My nephew predicted it, whatever. But uh, he was like, <laughs> Dean Ambrose is going to win. And I was like, no, he's not. It's going to be Kevin Owens. And Dean Ambrose won. And, yeah. And then it was funny because I told him, because during the main event, he was dumb excited. And, but he was like, I don't think he's going to cash in. I was like, he's going to cash in and watch. And I didn't believe it, but then he cashed in. But anyway, um, <laughs> but that was a good match. The, uh, the Cena-AJ Styles match, what are your thoughts on that match? I loved the match until the final two minutes. I was like, man, these guys are put on a show. It's going to be great. It was great to me. Great timing, great pacing. It was a match that I really hasn't, I haven't even seen Cena perform that way. Even during his uh, open challenge matches that people loved, him, Cesaro, and everything, the teases for finishers were great. It, it, was, it was like the third match of a trilogy that you would usually see. Um, it, it was New Japan style, like, but AJ, and if you were at home watching, you were there, so it was a little more difficult. Uh, Cena was really calling his spots, and you can see it, and at times you could hear it, uh, which is horrible by Cena, like, just whisper, it's not that difficult. Um, but you can see AJ walking him through the match, and, and just the teases mm-hmm. and the spots, it gave it that New Japan style feel where, uh, you know, I, I think it was Okada, it might have been Okada. Okada Styles, or it was Okada someone, and they had like just, it was Okada's match last year at Wrestle Kingdom, and it was just constant teases of finishers, just over and over and over, and he like nearly hit the Rainmaker like four times, Uh, it it was like that style of match to me, and it was like, damn, the constant teases of the attitude adjustment, and every time Styles is finding a way to get out of it, and it was great until the final two minutes, and it was like, yo, all that stuff, and you waste it and make AJ Styles look soft. Uh, I understand you got to play up the heel role, but to me, it weakened the match, and it weakened him. Um, well, I, I, I feel differently about that. Um, I First of all, I thought the match was great because what it did showcase and the story that it told was AJ Styles was smarter than John Cena for the most part. Um not necessarily stronger, but he was smarter. So and there was there were a lot of ways that he outsmarted. Now the crowd was the crowd was hot. I don't know how it Super came across on, yeah. on the uh, paper. Came across great. Yeah, like we couldn't hear ourselves. Um, you know, our section in particular, we were. Um, I was right. Well, if you look, if you watch the pay per view, you, you can kind of see me. I'm like to the left of the floor, and like where we were at, it was it was a great mix of Cena and Styles fans, and the chances didn't let up. Uh, it, for the duration of the match. Now, there were some stupid chants throughout the night, but I don't think you guys caught a lot of those. Somebody chanted for Benoit, which was ridiculous. <laughs> but the match itself was it, was, it was a great story that was being told. And I didn't mind the finish. And the reason why I didn't mind the finish is because it extends the program. And because you already turned AJ Styles heel, 
you kind of want to enhance his heel role. And and he played it well on Raw, which we'll talk about as well. But I, I didn't mind him getting one over on Cena because they're going to probably do this match two more times. But it was the wrong um, to way to get over. Off. The wrong way. Like, he didn't even land a finisher. A people, okay, but if people are going to interfere, let me at least see him nail a Styles Clash to finish it. Like, it was, oh, okay, the people, Gallows and Addison interfere, they hit their finisher and just lay him on top. To me, that's weak. I, just have him I didn't at least give it. me the image of him beating Cena. You have to save that. Um, then you, then like you're telling me he's taking two out of three, which in my mind is not happening. It's possible. I mean, it's, it's very possible that, that AJ Styles wins one clean at SummerSlam in a shocker for a lot of people. Wow. It's very yeah. possible. You 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 may have to just save that finish. You know, you let him get one over. You let Cena get this one back at Battleground, beating him clean. And then whatever type of stipulation match you want to do, two out of three falls, you want to do cage match. I don't know what you want to do with SummerSlam. You let it happen. And if there's a possibility of AJ Styles going over clean, that's when you get the visual of him doing the Styles class. It makes you also wonder if the phenomenal forms a thing of the past face now, because that's such a face move. Like when Seth Rollins does like the Phoenix Splash, it's a face move, it's a baby face move. But for for like I said, for Styles getting getting one up on Cena and extending the program, I don't mind this finish. I don't know who's gonna have Cena's back. Um, you know, I, I hope they don't be continue no this Uso. Uso's role. Like, there's no connection there. They need to move on. It from may the be Uso. Enzo and Cass. You know, it could possibly be Enzo and Cass. That, that's that's a distinct possibility uh, because. It, clearly, Gallus and Anderson are going to be out of the t- tag team title picture for the, uh, the not-so-distant future. And then you need somebody to join with Cena to fend off Anderson and Gallows as Cena wants to get one over clean on on on, uh, on uh, Styles. So I, I didn't mind it. I just, the match was great, though. Um, and it just, again, it proves to you that hopefully that they see the value in AJ Styles and find a way to put a title on this man. He, he hasn't had a bad match with too- anyone yet. I mean, maybe him and Old Man nah. Jericho at WrestleMania, but looking back, it could have been worse. No, I mean everything that he's that he's done everything that he possibly can do to make a great match. It's, Jericho couldn't necessarily keep up with him, um, and the Roman Reigns matches were clearly his that he carried. And now with Cena, even though Cena's a good, serviceable wrestler, above average at that, if you just look at AJ Styles and go like, God damn, where's this guy been all our lives? He is he is by far the best talent on the roster in terms of telling stories. Like he's even a good heel. Everything about AJ Styles is great. I'm glad we're finally getting to see you. And then the phenomenal job he did on the podcast with Stone Cold, which we can talk about later as well. But man, AJ Styles is just that guy. No, definitely. And it's the perfect time. And I'm glad it's coming together. Uh, Let's talk about the main event. Now we have Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. They kick it off. The match to me was okay. Um, Maybe I, yeah. I just have hangover from the Styles Roman matches, um, and, and it's Reigns' first match back, so or first big match back. So maybe there was a little rust there. Uh, Rollins had his good spots. To me, Reigns wasn't as good as he was against Styles, and it, I, I thought it was okay. I was ready for the finish. I was expecting Reigns to win the whole time, which also probably put a damper on my experience on it because I was like, man, how is he going to get over on Rollins? And, uh, yeah, it, it was just another awkward ending to me. 
Uh, I thought Rollins hitting the pedigree out of the spear was a great moment. Um, great visual. Loved how that came off. And Roman kicking out of that, I was like, oh, man, here we go. Just to have Seth hit him with another normal pedigree and win it, to me, it was a wasted spot. That I will 100% agree with. Um, the match itself, yes, I, th- I thought it was decent. Um, it started off really slow and picked up towards the end. Um, I don't necessarily blame Rollins for it. It's these first, it's not the first two times these guys ever worked together, but it's it was just a matter of pacing. And when Rollins got on the roll, like you could tell, he's testing that knee out. He's he's putting that knee through everything possible. Um, but yeah, for, like the spot where he turned the spear into a pedigree, that we went ballistic because nobody saw it coming. Not like that. It was amazing. And, yeah, and, and he, yes, he should have went over clean right then and there. There shouldn't have been a kick out of it. I mean, they tried to keep Roman strong, which I think is utterly useless at this point. But if the man just spears you, I mean, the man just pedigreed you through his spear, let that be the finish and the big shock that everybody expected because the crowd, we just, everybody went nuts. Um, but, yes, it was, it, was, it was a decent match. It wasn't great. You know, it wasn't the best match on the card. Uh, it had a shocking finish. And, you know, in, in the visual of Rollins celebrating, the crowd popped heavy. It makes you wonder why Rollins is still not a baby face. And then Ambrose cashing in. Um, it wasn't a huge shock, but the, fa- the fact that the uh, pay-per-view went over, nobody was sure exactly what was going on until, you know, Ambrose came in and cashed in and became the champ. Um, I like that he him. came He's from, like, champ. behind. That was pretty dope. Uh, usually people run down the yeah. ramp to cash in. So it was very cool to see him like come from the stands, hit him with the briefcase. Uh, I, I thought the dirty deeds looked sloppy, kind of. It was like, oh, he just won with that. Like, it was too much time between hitting him with the briefcase, cashing it in, coming back in, hitting a dirty deeds. Like it, it should have all been in one fluid motion, but that's how the the cookie crumbles in these types of uh, cash in situations. So not, yeah, I guess I, I mean, can't like, be mad at I that. Was- no, I, I enjoyed uh, the finish. You know, I enjoyed the surprise element of it. I enjoyed the fact that Rollins won, and I enjoyed the fact that all three members of the Shield had the title in the span of like forty minutes. Um, it was it was a great ending to a Money in the Bank pay per view that was that was solid, but it had a little bit too much filler. But um, what do you think of Ambrose Raw, as champion? That's that's what I was about to say. Heading into Raw, it just feels like Ambrose has cooled off so much. And it started with the Brock Lesnar feud and it carried over to the Jericho feud that he's not, he's not as hot as he was at the Royal Rumble nor, or against when he, when he fought Triple H at Roadblock. Like Ambrose was white hot. Something's not right. And I can't figure out what it is. And I feel like the title belt being put on him is more of a rehab for his image than him enhancing the title. And that to me is kind of problematic because Ambrose, we've all saw that the day that he came in with the Shield, we were like, that guy's going to be a star. But I think they're playing up. There's two, one of two things has happened. Either A, he has to turn heel, which I think is the perfect fit for Ambrose, or B, they got to stop playing up this lunatic fringe up so much. And him forgetting the title belt and the cab is just like, dude, like, man, I just want him to be an angry, you know, flying off the handle type of guy. These comedy shit, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, not as champion. Like, you can do it. Normally, maybe, to carry him through programs, but now, like, I'm done with the Ambrose Asylum. I'm cool on that. Like, let that go by the wayside. He's not Jericho. 
Um, you don't need filler anymore. He's the champion. Let him be a champion. Let him, you know, defend the belt randomly. Let him, you know, do commentary, which is cool. I, I don't mind him on commentary there. Just let him be himself, though. No more uh, character placement for the lunatic fringe. Let him be the guy he was in the shield, where you just didn't know what was going to happen. Like, genuinely. Just say, we're going to stop scripting you, Ambrose. You're the champion. Go make it work. And I, I think it'll be much yeah. better. And we have to see him win. Because still, to this point, you know, cashing in doesn't count. Reaching up on a ladder and grabbing a, a, soup, a briefcase, nah, okay, doesn't count. We need him to legitimately win clean over someone to establish him. When was the last match he actually pinned somebody? Like, on, on like a really good match. Like, it just hasn't happened. In probably over a year, he hasn't had a great match and then pinned someone. He's had mediocre matches and then other times lost to people who he shouldn't have lost to. So, it, it just, it's been way too long with him being weak. Let him go over clean. Let him pin Roman Reigns at Battleground and then have them go into SummerSlam. I don't care if you got to do a shield triple threat and a hell in a cell or some shit. I don't care. Let him go over clean and earn that championship win. And then I think we'll see a different Ambrose. Yeah, I, I, you know, I really think it's time to consider if, if you're still going to try to rehab Roman Reigns, which I am heavily against. But if you're, if you're trying to do whatever you can to get this guy over, I think that you turn Ambrose heel. Um, Anyway, the crowd is still pop for him. It doesn't matter. But he's the guy that nobody really expects to turn heel at this point. I just, as a baby face, as a champ right now, it just doesn't fit. And I felt like they, they waited too long to do the right things with him because when nobody thought he was going to beat Triple H at um, Roadblock, but there were so many close spots and the crowd was so hot for Ambrose. And then he went into this feud with Brock Lesnar and, and say what you want about it, but it was handled poorly. And him losing to Brock Lesnar did nothing for him. Again, destroyed. And so it left him with his Jericho. Yeah, he got destroyed in a match that did not live up to his expectations. You know, everybody thought it was going to be a lot of brutality, a lot of, a lot of back and forth, and it wasn't. It was really just Brock Lesnar not using weapons, Dean Ambrose just not being able to get one on the beast. So it, his image has taken a hit. His stock has plummeted, and not drastically. People still like Ambrose. It's not like people don't like Ambrose. It's just they haven't done the right things with him. So, I don't know. Maybe the thing is to turn him heel. Have him turn on Roman. And I don't even know how you have him turn on Roman because they're in a, in a triple threat match, supposedly. But well, do some dastardly shit. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if him and Roman are there and they're in the position to both take out uh, Rollins, and then next thing you know, he just hits Roman with dirty deeds, and him and Rollins are standing side by side. People are like, oh, heel turn. And then he dirty deeds Rollins as well. And then you just be like, y'all don't know what this guy is. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I you have to him. have him. And he's got to be unpredictable. Yeah, he could be in the middle. He literally is the fringe. Like, you want to be the lunatic fringe? Let him be in the fringe. There's a gray area. You you want to paint Rollins as the heel? Um, less cowardly now, but still the heel. And Roman Reigns as the huge baby face. Let Ambrose play that middle ground. Yeah, they got to do something. They got to do something. So the rest of Raw, which wasn't a bad Raw, um, it was it was a, it was a decent Raw. We saw the return of Sasha Banks, which is uh, <laughs> the crowd pop for. She Obviously, they kept her like this special. Yeah, they, they kept her as like this special attraction. She's almost like Brock Lesnar these days. She kind of pops in and pops out. Um, but hopefully, she's in the title picture to stay. 
Uh, it seems like now we're going to get more than one women's match a week. Now that we have a few between Becky Lynch and Natalia, we got Charlotte in here. Um, maybe Paige deals with Dana Brooke. Which makes um, me think they're going to split and, the women and, uh, and probably the tag divisions up on this draft. I kind of hope they do. You know, some people think that they should leave the women um, on both shows, but I think the women just kind of need attention. And, you know, if you want to have people watch both of these programs, which I still think that this draft is a bad idea. The more that I think about it, the more I don't like it. Um, it's, there's, I get it because they feel like they have a lot of talent, but I really think they could rectify this by cutting an hour off of a Raw each week, and I'd be fine. I, I but think to so. split it up, whatever. But it, as long I'm a fan of it, just because I feel SmackDown is going to be so much better, and I hope they understand that they should cater that towards the NXT indie style of fan. Um, but w- with what should be Corey Graves, Morrow uh, on commentary, which is way better than anything they have on Monday Night Raw right now, and with some of the NXT guys, hopefully you know we get the Owens, Cesaro, Zayn's. Uh, Styles, I don't even care. Put Cena there if you just need huge star power. And then everyone else on Raw. I, I like that aspect of things. You know, if you're bringing up NXT guys, put them on SmackDown. Uh, keep Orton for Raw and all those other guys. The Wyatts on Raw. Even the New Day, keep them on Raw. Let's see a mostly NXT talent-based uh, showcase for Tuesday nights. And I love it. Because the ratings might not be equal, but us really hardcore wrestling fans will get the product we want. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. This 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 brand split is it's going to be interesting because there's just some guys that we don't care about. They're going to get more time. Titus O'Neil is going to get more time. You know, um, who else is going to get more time? Uh, Apollo Cruz, who needs beat Seamus in a match that nobody cares. He needs more time, but there is no. I don't know if there's a real plan in place for these guys. You know, he as much as I like Apollo's, he needs to pipe up and get yeah, a character. He, like he needs a character, Titus O'Neil. Like his him his rampage against Rusev, nobody cared about because it was like three weeks too late. Um, I mean, I feel like we're gonna get more uh, gold truth. I, I just feel like I feel like there's just gonna be a lot of storylines that we're not gonna care about because we haven't been made to care about these characters. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, we see a lot more um, out of guys. You know, I, feel like, I, I I'm understand why I think American Alpha is coming up. Uh, I'm assuming Balor gets called up because now he's facing Nakamura in three weeks, which is very convenient with the draft. Um, yeah, great. And I mean, great spot. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, as for the rest of this raw, though, you know, we 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 got the triple threat at the end, um, which is weird because it's like, well, why did we waste this whole three-hour show just to get to the point that Ambrose will fight them both anyway? Yeah, um, that was kind of strange. Uh, the return of the uh, the Wyatt family was also. I, I don't know how to feel about it because Bray Wyatt left as a babyface and he comes back as a heel again. Again, against the New Day, probably the most over entity in WWE. It's like uh, they're gonna get crushed again, um, unless unless it's truly time for the New Day to drop the belts. Um, and, and if you want to put it on the Wyatt family to win the belts, but without Luke Harper there, it's just not. They're not a, a legit tag team without Luke Harper. Exactly. It, it's just kind of like Bray Wyatt is more of the Xavier Woods to those guys than he is a part of that tag team. 
Exactly. And nobody really cares to see Strowman and Rowan against Big E and Kofi. As, because when Luke Harper and Rowan are in the, in the mix, then you've got a legit tag team match. It's something that everybody wants to see. But Bray Wyatt's not really involved in this tag team title picture. Um, it was good to see him back. It, it was also interesting to see that it's, you know, it's like the comedy guys versus this ultra serious guys. And it, it, we'll see how that all plays out. But I, I wanted to see Bray Wyatt come back to the face. It's time to kind of split him up from the Wyatt family if, if Luke Harper's not there. Luke Harper's really the glue. He really I, is. I know a lot of people think it's, yeah, a lot of people say Bray Wyatt. But without Luke Harper, the Wyatt family's just not saying Strowman just doesn't do it for anybody. No. I mean, Luke Harper is the wrestling aspect of the Harp, of the Wyatt family. So, you know, you, you need Luke. Yeah. And uh, hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. That knee injury looked bad. Um, but I'm anticipating him coming back 100%. When he does, then cool. Then they could get the title push. But now it's kind of just like uh, we don't know what to do with them. Uh, I think they were preparing a Bray versus Brock angle. And until you know what happens with Brock at UFC 200, you can't put your eggs in that basket. So I, I wouldn't be no, surprised to wait. see this as a one-off. And if, as long as Brock doesn't get his face knocked off and uh, face a medical suspension in the UFC, then um, I think you know he'll be back for SummerSlam, and, and I think we might get Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar. In which I, I think Maybe they'll tie in that UFC. Yeah, they'll tie in that UFC aspect of. You you know you think you're better than everyone. You want to go to a different promotion. Bray will use all that shit. Bray will use everything perfectly. Yeah, he definitely would. He definitely would. Um, um, anything else to talk about wrestling wise? Nah, I know the CWC started. I'm staying away from the spoilers. Y'all y'all can have that. Um, and we I'm can talk about that a little bit too. more as it progresses. Yeah, we we talked about it a little bit in our group chat uh, that we have going on our phones. Uh, I'm trying to stay away from the spoilers. I always get caught in these things and I always have to look. Curiosity gets the best of me, but I'm doing good so far. Uh, one thing I do agree with you on, which I didn't earlier in the week, is Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, you thought that he'd make the finals of uh, the CWC, and I didn't see it happening. But after looking at just the WWE's Twitter page and uh, on all the projections and all the monitors in the background it's all saber jr he's on like every yeah. other tweet and uh he's on sasha's page he's like i love this guy uh he, he's on balor's page taking backstage pictures and everything i'm just like shit i'm like okay it's pretty much him and abushi and everyone else at this point so i'm like oh there goes the final like you were right so i'll give you that like they they love saber jr yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's an opportunity for a guy like Johnny Gargano to to get a run, but I really think this is about a collision course between Ibushi and Saber Junior. Um, because it's just Saber Junior is like the, one of the hottest talents in the NBC right now, and you don't squander that in a CWC tournament. Like you you do what you can to put this guy over. So, especially with the mainstream crowd, you see what happens. I'm so, surprised not see. to see a what. San Almas in this. I almost called him La Sombra. Uh, yeah, but uh, on, we don't see Andrade in this, which is all right. But I, I thought this would be his showcase. Um, granted, he Everybody still doesn't did. have a, a – Yeah, he has a horrible gimmick right now. He, I don't even know what his gimmick is. Um, but I thought this would be his showcase. And just there's a lot of guys on the current NXT roster who are under 205 that could have just, you know, got some run. And some shine in this tournament. I'm surprised to see a lack thereof established NXT talent. 
Yeah, I, I think it's more of like reaching outside of the company and seeing what you can do there. So um, hopefully it'll be a really good tournament and we have a great championship and establishes them as a, you know, it's, it's the WWE again, vulturing a ton of talent and, and, and claiming it as their own. So uh, it'll be fun to watch this thing play out. Um, What's next? What, what else we got to talk about? Before we take a quick break, there's just one more thing in wrestling. There was a leak, supposedly, of the schedule of pay-per-views going into the rest of, uh, I guess, the year, 2016, and that there's going to be two pay-per-views, SmackDown and Raw, every month outside of the Big Four. Uh, I'm assuming you're not a fan of that. No. I think, first of all, the, the, the list is fake. I think um, so as well. But the, but the yeah, concept but could I, I be kinda, I, true. Yeah, the concept could be true. And if the concept is true, it's, uh, I think I, I talked about this exhaustingly last week, it's too much wrestling. I don't want to see two pay-per-views. I don't want to have to watch. Like, think about this. We cover combat sports, right? So we cover, if you take UFC 200, for instance, um, that's going to be like a seven-hour event. And that's on a Saturday. Now, it looks like your average weekend. You have a Saturday that's like seven hours. And you have wrestling on a Sunday, which is like four hours. You have, you have Raw on Monday, which is three hours. You have SmackDown on Tuesday, two hours. And then on, on Wednesday, you have NXT, which is one hour. Then if you have boxing, like, it's just, like, I can't watch anything else but combat sports. Like, and then if you watch New Japan, which we didn't talk about on this show, but it's you know, whatever. We'll, we'll it's crazy. Have to catch it with it another we, time. We actually have ROH no. this weekend. It's today. Uh, right, that's, right now it, we're it recording. Becomes, it's, it's a Friday. Much. Yeah, it's ROH. Um, best of the world. It, we can't even fit that in because it's so much going on right now. I mean, we have the rematch: uh, Briscoe versus uh, who is Briscoe going at? Jay Lethal. Oh, excuse me, Lethal. Uh, obviously, Lethal. the champion. Uh, Lethal's held that belt now for a year. Like, just, it's the calendar rematch. So, it's like, does he drop the belt? There, there's so much going on over there. Is this last time we see a guy like Moose? Um, speculation is, you know, that he might be going to NXT. Uh, we just saw the departure of, what, Roderick Strong, I believe. Uh, yeah, well, he left. We, we, who knows where he's going? Yeah, but, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. We have the Young Bucks injured. There's crazy amount of stuff happening right now in wrestling. It's it's just so much, and for for me to have to sit through two pay per views a month, come on, man, give me a break. <laughs> like, just just have some mercy on my soul. Like, I mean, I, I just started watching catching up on. I just watched season one of Lucha Underground. Like, it took me like a year, but I finally watched season one of Lucha Underground. I was like, ooh, I'm gonna start watching this, and I'm like, yo, I gotta I gotta watch other stuff. Like, I can't like I can't keep up with the PBC. They got too many damn fights going. It's just too goddamn much. Give me a break. Give me a rest. I don't want to see this much wrestling. Like, I don't watch SmackDown because it's usually basically a raw rehash, but now I'm going to have to watch SmackDown because it's a completely different program now. Yo, yeah. it's a lot, man. I need a break. It's, it's crazy. And no, no rest for us this summer because business is about to pick up. So one thing we'll do is take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk boxing and UFC because we haven't even gotten into that yet. So you guys stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Tell Dansby. And this is Andreas Hale. 
and we are the co-hosts of the Corner Podcast, and we want to let you guys know that on July 8th at 6 p.m., the Las Vegas Fight Shop, host of the Corner Podcast, will be hosting MMA legend Randy Couture for meet and greet and signing for everyone here at the UFC 200 weekend. And then on July 9th, man, Nate Diaz will be in the building from noon to 2 p.m. at the fight shop, signing all your autographs, giving you the middle finger, and probably giving you a stocking of slap. So make sure you come through the Las Vegas fight shop at the Miracle Mile Shop to Planet Hollywood. Again, that's July 9th, noon to 2 p.m. from Nate Diaz. And July 8th at the Las Vegas fight shop for Vandy Couture. Make sure you're there. Make sure you get your autographs. Make sure you check out everything going on at UFC 200 weekend. Make sure you come and watch us record that Wednesday at the Fight Shop, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. We'll have guests for you guys, a lot of surprises, a big fun anime talk. All right, everybody, we are back from the break, and now it's time to talk UFC. And one of the biggest stories of last week, and it's going to be one of the biggest stories of the summer, uh, is reports that Zufa is selling the UFC and that they've reached an agreement with a group uh, that um, Mr. Kraft from the New England Patriots is part of, uh, is buying it for over $4 billion. That report came from Jeremy Botter and Flow Sports. Uh, the UFC has, you know, completely been against those reports so far, but all, by all indications, it's only a matter of time. We see uh, Fertitta taking a job as the head of Red Rock Management to do the hotels. You really can't do that and run the UFC. Um, so it's like stuff is setting up for the move. And I don't know if it's another situation where they, you know, like when Dana White went on UFC or excuse me, when he went on ESPN and said, no, Brock Lesnar isn't coming back. Then boom, 15 minutes later, they run the promo. So I don't know if they're just lying for the sake of trying to hold this, uh, close to the vest or, um, if the reports are a little off, but I trust Jeremy Botter. So we got to see what's going on. Andreas, you, you got your ear to the streets. What do you know? I don't think UFC selling. Um, here's why. Although I agree that, you know, I trust everything that Jeremy has to say, something about this just doesn't feel right in terms of the sale. And, and when, a, when an internal memo goes out to a company that says we're not sold, I, I don't think they're sold yet. No and the way it was phrased, there, there's a couple of things that, that, are, that are moving around here. Um, because Darren Rovell started all this with ESPN and with his report. And Darren Rovell's a sports business writer. So he's aware of things that are going on. And these stories about the UFC selling have been lingering for quite some time. And me personally, I think if you can make $4.3 billion, whatever the hell it is, you sell. But something about this just doesn't feel right. Um, Definitely. Who, and like, Botter, by the way, Botter said they accepted an offer or they reached agreement. So it's not sold by any means. His... Uh, his report well, they said is that, that they, 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 said, the, they was said it was a, a bid. A bid was accepted. That's, there you go. Right. But not sold. So, not the, ink. There's no nothing in writing yet. So he didn't confirm it um, all the way. Well, the the thing is, is that there's been these stories coming out, and, and this is why this is why I'm saying that I don't think that it's going to be sold, or they're negotiating to sell. But it, what's been reported isn't necessarily true. What has happened is we've seen these stories about Lorenzo Fertitta being in Hollywood to meet with an agency when Lorenzo Fertitta was in Vegas. There has been a lot of misreporting that has been traveling around 
that makes me weary of these UFCs being sold stores because the places that certain that these guys are supposed to be, according to TMZ or somebody else, it's off. It's wrong. So I feel like I feel like the people are getting fed a lot of wrong information, and I, I don't know I don't know where it's coming from, and I, and I, it's not definitely not Bada's fault because Bada's a phenomenal reporter, but whoever's giving Bada information is giving him the right information, but it's not necessarily all true. Well, the TMZ um, reports, I. I... You know, just me knowing how things are working uh, on the inside and my little bit of knowledge, I, I take those with a grain of salt. Um, to me, and just from what I see, I anything TMZ reports, I, I feel like they have not necessarily an inside source, but they are a, a mouthpiece for the UFC, in my opinion. So I, I anything they report, I'm just like, okay, well, they don't necessarily get it from independent sources. I, I feel like they get it from the horse's mouth. So to throw someone off the trail with a TMZ report wouldn't be too difficult if you wanted to do so for the UFC. Um, so, but like you said, the more reports out there, the more differing reports, the easier it is to you know deny these things or maybe quiet down the momentum around them. Well, and, and the other thing is to, for them to sell in the midst of the biggest event is also kind of concerning to me because oh, all, yeah. everything needs to be focused on 200. And that, Dude, that entire week, the fan next week, you guys, like, if you're going to sell, you don't want this kind of attention around uh, your organization because it's turmoil. And that's all it's causing is more turmoil. So I, I just don't think the UFC would be in the midst of negotiating to sell in with, you know, with their biggest event right around the corner. I think yeah. you use that event as leverage to sell more than anything else. I, I believe so. I, and I, I think if you do sell, you wait until after 202. Because you'd be like, look, these are two biggest stars or, you know, amongst our biggest stars. And in three months, we raked in this much money and it gives you great leverage. Yeah. it's So my, my complete outlook on this is I feel like what has come out has too many um, things that, are, that are, are, are moving around and that aren't necessarily correct for this to be the sale to be actually be in effect. The highest bid, maybe this is happening, maybe it's not. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't. I don't see it happening. You know, even even the, the news about Fertitta taking a position, but Fertitta's kind of been there. I, I mean, and I don't think, you know, I don't think this affects. I don't think. Look, but more importantly, I don't think Lorenzo Fertitta would take a job after selling his company for four point two billion dollars. That just sounds fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Let's just go on vacation after that. I'm out. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like oh. Oh look, Fertitta just left this multi-million-dollar organization that's turned to a billion-dollar organization to go take a job at a spacious casino. Nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. So it's just a lot of things ain't right with these reports that are coming out. No, definitely, I, I could agree with that, and I see you know the the logic behind that. So I mean, we gotta we gotta let that play out, and I'm not sure how much the UFC changes with the sale anyway. Um, by all indications, Dana White would still be there as president and running it. I don't think. Whoever would buy it uh, would know enough to do an overhaul of the system or the people in place. I, I don't think they'd clear out the entire PR department or, you know, matchmakers or anything like that. So I, I feel like we wouldn't even know the difference. No, we probably wouldn't. There would probably be some questions regarding fighter pay and how money is distributed um, within the organization. But outside of that, you don't buy a company in the midst of uh, the run that they're having right now and just change shit up. You know, especially with 200 around the corner, uh, Conor McGregor getting ready to fight. Uh, you, you just don't do that. You know, I mean, you could if you really wanted to, but 
I, it's ill-advised to take over a company and just ch- start changing shit up. I don't see it happen. Exactly. Um, before we talk about last weekend's UFC Ottawa card, uh, which kind of went the way we thought it'd go, um, we have to talk about Dana White. He went on the UFC podcast and completely ripped Ariel, uh, <laughs> which, which is one of my highlights of the week. Uh, I was like, yo, like this guy. And, you know, they obviously gave Ariel and um, the entire team back their uh, press passes and uh, credentials and everything. And it seemed like the beef was done and buried. And then Dana White just comes out and he's just like, yo, it's not the same. Like he, he held nothing back. Man, I, I feel like I, I don't like the fact that Dana did that. And not because I'm a journalist and, you know, he's like the power that, that be. I think it was unnecessary. Um, because if anything, all you're doing is making Ariel bigger than he already is. Uh, it, it, that's, and that's looking at it on an even-handed playing field. But why? Why Why? why take so many shots at Ariel Hawani? He's a journalist. And, and this is the shit you don't really need to deal with. Just let it go. Um, you know, you can't, again, you can't try to control the media. And to call Ariel the things that he called him and said, you know, about him crying on his podcast, yo, he cares about his job, man. Like, it just felt like you're, you're the bigger man. Back off. Just let it go. It's a wrap. You gave him his credentials back. Why, why go in on him on, a, on, your, on your podcast at that, at that UFC Unfiltered podcast? Oh, he um, just went. The first two shows were actually really good. Very good. Um, I listened to the second episode with uh, Punk and The Rock. That was some great stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It feeds you a lot of a lot of great news reports. I mean, breaking news is smart that they're doing this on their podcast. But it's if you just can't control the media and you can't get mad at them for doing their job. And by the way, they swagger jacked that whole idea from Ariel. Um so which is great, you know, get people on your podcast and ask them questions to break news. So every outlet will have to, you know, take your reports and, and drive traffic to the right. podcast. It's something Ariel really uh latched on too early and what's made him so big so for dana white to kind of diss him it's like yeah but kind of just took the whole blueprint so it is what it is it's, it's funny to see that in action um but we have ufc yeah. ottawa and actually you know some real real fighting going on people getting punched in the face uh it was a good card uh, a lot of finishes which was great um the fights turned out in general better than i expected um but let's talk about like the major points of the card and we can start right there at the main event and kind of work backwards. I don't care. It was all about Wonder Boy versus Rory McDonald. Uh, something I thought wouldn't go to the judges. I, I thought it'd be, you know, just someone getting knocked out. Uh, thought it'd be Rory, sadly. Um, but it, it turned out to be more of a chess match. And Wonder Boy showed you just can't, you can't strike with him. He'll, he'll outpoint you if needed. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have to reiterate everything that I've said for the past few weeks about Wonder Boy, but... It, it, this is exactly what I said was going to happen. It, it, the takedown defense was too good. He, Roy couldn't get him down. Standing there striking with him was pointless. There was nothing he could do. I, I'll, I'll say it again. Wonder Boy will be the next UFC welterweight champion. You can't beat this guy standing up. If you can't take him down, and Roy McDonald had all the physical advantages that most people in his division do not have, and he was rendered useless granted the first two rounds were close but there was nothing he could do what could he do nothing he couldn't close the distance and i don't know how you do because it's so scary it has to be just insanely scary to close the distance against wonder boy because everything can take you out knee foot uh his jab is great 
close quarters, elbow, whatever it is, anything striking, he can take you out. So you got to play the outside, and who has the length to do so? So just to see him nobody he, he outclass Rory was spectacular. And uh, as far as Rory, it's a guy coming off his last fight, being up three rounds to one against the champion. And you outclassed him, damn near didn't let him get around. He got one, I think. It was like four to one. And so well, he, he got shut out on two cards. On two cards, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't even close. So to see a, a champion now, um, and we'll see how the Woodley fight plays out, but to see a champion who only stands up and he just wants to fight into brawl and gets hit a, hit a lot, it, it's going to be an interesting fight whenever Wonderboy gets that, uh, you know, gets that call for his title shot, which might not be next. So uh, everyone, you know, screaming that, oh, Wonderboy's next up, uh eh, I don't know about that. We'll see. Why would he be nice? Oh, I think the announcement of GSP uh, returning and wanting to return puts everything in GSP's lap. So if he wants his belt yeah. back, he can go and do so. Uh, him calling out Bisping, which I think, if I had to you know, put money on it or bet on it, I think it's him versus Bisping. Because at this point of his career and this time off, that weight cut is something I don't think he wants to do. Uh, rehydration is a problem, no IVs anymore, all this stuff. So I think the moving up a weight class would fit him, moving up to middleweight, and that's why I think he'll fight Bisping for the title. But whatever fight GSP wants, the GSP is going to get. It's that simple. Yeah. So if he wants his title well, back, he can go and do that. Uh, Bisping, I think, might be a smarter fight for him. So, you know, go after Bisping. Why not? The thing is, is that... GSP doesn't care about titles. So I don't think he wants anything to do with Robbie Law. I don't think he wants anything to do with defending a, a title. I think he just wants the biggest fights he can get right now. And I, I, I did a, a piece on this recently. I, a fight with Bisping, while, yeah, it's a, it's a big fight, I guess, because GSP is coming back. It's not really a super fight. Um, it's just a fight. <laughs> it's just a fight between two guys. And a returning GSP, and that's why we're tuning in. There's nothing super about this fight. Oh. GSP is not – I mean, Michael Bisping's not a super champion. He's not, in a, he's not a guy in a division that he's so dominant that he needs to fight another guy in a different weight class who's also dominant. That's a super fight. This is just a fight. Um, and I don't want to go too deep into GSP Bisping right now. I want to stay on the topic of Wonderboy in Ottawa. But um, the, the welterweight division is – yeah, I, I mean, GSP may be against – uh, Nick Diaz and GSP and Bisping, like I just, he won't get in the way of Wonderboy. Wonderboy right now will, he'll get a shot at Robbie Lawler because I don't think Robbie Lawler is going to lose a Tyron Woodley and he deserves it. He's, he's on a winning streak and he looks damn near unbeatable. Um, Definitely. And until at someone can take McDonald's, him down at will, I, I think he's unbeatable. Name somebody in that division that can do it. That's the thing. In that division, he's sitting pretty. Um, it's gonna be tough. I I don't know. Uh, man, does at at this point could Nick Diaz even cut to one seventy? Like it, it, there's no. And granted, I don't Nick think will get Nick, killed. I don't think Nick is you know the best fighter in the world, but just someone who can switch it up at least that has length and height, you know, to kind of stay on the outside long enough to maybe try to take him down and has good submission skills. So and to me, that's what it'll kind of take. But outside of that, I, I don't see anyone else in the division with just that raw power and takedown skills to, to really phase them. No, I mean, you really have the next – if there's another person that could possibly give Wonderboy trouble, it would be Carlos Condit. Um, Carlos Condit does have the height and the reach. 
He doesn't have the takedowns, but he has he has the striking where you figure, well, if he catches him, you know, he may be able to finish him. But, yo, I, I said it. I, I'm pushing all my chips in on Wonder Boy. I've said this for too long now. I said it back with the Ellenberger fight. I said it with the Hendricks fight. I've called my spots on Wonder Boy, and I haven't been even remotely close to wrong yet. I said, I said it with Rory. I was like, he'll either stop him if, if Rory straight loses the strike with him, or he'll outpoint him. And that's exactly what he did. Nobody has anything for this guy. He is the scariest guy in a division without a belt. And yes, that's scarier than Frankie Edgar. Yes, that's scarier than, than anybody in the heavyweight division. Like, he is the man right now that nobody can beat. There's another the guy division. on nobody that card who looked good at welterweight, and that's Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone looked excellent against Patrick Cote. One of probably his best performances to date. Um, you know, it, it means that he is a threat in the welterweight division. He's not beating Wonderboy, but uh, Donald Cerrone looked good, man. Yeah, I mean, and, beating and, up on Patrick Cote the way he did, yeah, he looked great. And once again, a division full of strikers, I'll give Cerrone a puncher's chance against anyone. Yeah, well, I don't give him a chance against uh, Stephen Thompson. I don't necessarily give him too much of a chance against Carlos Condit either. But, no, but it'd be one hell of a uh, fight, right? Think, like, top five matchups yeah, for mean, Cerrone in that division is, is mind-blowing. I, I, I want to see him against everyone. He, if that's the case, I, I want to see him against, you know, Rory, Condit. Uh, shit, if Hendricks can move back down, I don't care. Cerrone is a great matchup for yeah, everyone. I, I want to see him, you know, I want to see him run through these ranks and see how well he does. Um, he looks he looks like he's still doubted well to wait. Um, it's it's funny because this is a guy who got completely ran over. There's two people that, that stopped Donald Cerrone recently in Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, Anthony Pettis, who stopped him pretty quickly. It's like, you can get him if you get him cold. Um, if you get him in the early rounds, you can get rid of him if you don't let him give him a chance to warm up. So it, it'll be interesting to see how a guy like Cerrone fares against, you know, uh, John, if he, maybe he fights the winner of the Johnny Hendricks-Kevin Gaston fight. Um, two guys that are pretty big in welterweight. Um, so that, that division has gotten a lot more interesting. Um, and I, I'd like to see where Cerrone goes from here. You know, I want to see what they pair him up with next. I mean, he can move back down. I, this guy, you know, he doesn't care. He'll fight anyone. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone dropped out of 200 in, you know, the next two weeks and he steps right in. He doesn't care. Uh, any fight Ooh. anywhere. And the biggest thing to come out of that fight uh, and kind of was a undertone for that night was Cerrone talking about fighters pay and Joanne um, Calderwood talking about fighters pay and saying, you know, she was too broke to go back and train at TriStar. Uh, Dana White since given her the bonus that she earned um, for her fight that night. But still it's like, okay, there's a problem. She'll get a new contract, but you can't do that for everyone. And that seemed to be a conversation that really, you know, started up again. It's like, yo, we're underpaid. And to stay at an elite level, you got to spend money to do so. This is, you know, this is fighting. You got to pay for camps. You got to fly people in if you need, you know, legit sparring for some of these guys. You got to fly somewhere if you need legit training. Uh, like, in the which is the case for Calderwood. So, uh, it is a problem. And Dana White just kind of put a Band-Aid over it right now. Yeah, I mean, fighter phase is going to continue to be a problem. You look at a guy like Donald Cerrone who fights all the time, who fights kind of because he likes the money, and he likes to get more money. But, you know, he's not. he feels like he's not making enough money. And it's just getting the, – the, the cries for the payment not being enough are getting louder and louder and louder. And for as much uh, – like Dana White, 
it's always funny when corporations have these claims that say, oh, well, we only made this much on this show. So and he made this much on this. Like he's making a lot of money. Like like when people say when people try to sell you a car and say, we're not making any money. Shut the fuck up. You're always <laughs> making the money. You're a car dealership. Like your job is to sell me the car and turn a profit. You're never losing money. And whatever the, the UFC has tried to, to frame itself as, as it, what it didn't make in Ottawa, you've made like 12 times over in other markets. So it's like, don't tell me that you don't have the money or Toronto is getting a lion's share of the purse. Like, don't give me that bullshit. You can afford to pay these guys more. Like, and you're just not. And it's a slippery slope when you start paying fighters too much money because maybe the desire to fight is gone. And, you know, it's like you're keeping these guys hungry by not feeding them and getting them full. But it's going to get to a certain point where you just got to pay them more. And Donald Cerrone is one of those guys. Like, they need to be getting paid more. Um, they're carrying your pay-per-view. They're, they're fighters that you want to – well, even in Cerrone's case, he may not be carrying, like, the, the number one headliner, but he's fighting. Give this man – like, there's guys in boxing who are fighting on the undercards and making, like, $425,000. And they're not even close to the level of a Cerrone in terms of, of – of, excitement, talent, and, you know, years of service. Like, he, he deserves to get more money. It's going to be an issue. Like, a Joanne Calderwood, she should not be talking about how broke she is after she beats Valerie Roterno, who just fought for a title. I was about to say, a top five a- opponent. That, that shouldn't happen at all. No, nah, that, that's a mess. But it's, it's the UFC, it's money, it's bullshit, um, and that's something that the sale could probably rectify if they just so choose to. But if you spent $4.2 billion on the company, I don't know if you're too inclined to pay fighters more money. That's the thing. It's like they hear $4.2, $4.3 billion floating around, and they look at their bank account. They're like, where the hell is this going? Right. Like, some, something doesn't add up here. Nah, it's, it sucks, man. I mean, it, it sucks because boxing did set this precedent that, you know, that there's a lot of money floating around out there that you guys can get paid. Um, but... You know, you have to have somebody willing to cough up that kind of cash and to justify it. There's always going to be a reason why fighters shouldn't get paid more, and they'll continue to use those until they wear them out. Definitely. And talking about boxing, let's switch over to boxing and talk about the fight that's finally going to happen. And it seems like it's barely being mentioned. Uh, Thurman versus Porter. Uh, you know, Showtime's been on the show a couple of times. Um, shout out to him. He's been wanting this fight, and it seems that it's just been postponed, and then they couldn't agree at first. He hasn't fought in a year now. Um, both fighters coming into this kind of rusty and really don't know what to expect out of this one, but it, it's finally here. So I guess we have to talk about it and make our predictions. It's just so up in the air for me. I, I don't know what Thurman's going to bring, if he's changed anything since his last fight. I don't know if Porter is going to be able to keep the pressure the entire time, not having you know, anything besides a, a little sparring session in his gym out here that was alive on Facebook. It, it's such a weird fight. Yeah, I mean, this is a great fight. This is essentially your Cody Garbrandt versus Thomas Almeida fight um, in boxing, which is weird because you got two guys who've been established a little bit longer than both of those MMA fighters. But the fact that this fight has finally happened is great. Um, the 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 underlying issue with this fight is the fact that the postponement hurt it and people just don't give a shit about boxing. And I don't even know if I can say it any more plain than that is that people just don't care. And 
as much as, as Porter Thurman is a huge fight for his boxing fans, um, in the grand scheme of things, what's the stakes? You know, it's like, what is, what is, the winner of this fight gets what exactly? And most people don't know. They don't have a clue. Because the, the, um, the, their uh, mandatory <laughs> was the winner of the, uh, the Mosley fight. And Mosley lost that fight. And that's a mandatory. Like, there's nothing there for the winner. Hopefully, the winner would get somebody like a Danny Garcia or unify a title. The stakes just don't feel like they're high enough. But on its own, this is a great fight. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of predictions, I'm, I'm leaning towards Sean Porter because of, you know, a year and a half ago, I wouldn't have picked Sean Porter to win this fight. I would have picked Keith Thurman. But Keith has been extremely hittable lately. He got hurt against Colazzo. Um, he got his, his melon busted up against uh, Robert Guerrero, and he had a nice little swelling there. And I don't know how he's going to deal with a pressure fighter for 12 rounds. Um, and he hasn't knocked out anybody in a while. In a so, second. One time is not looking good at all. Yeah, so it's I, it's not that I don't think Keith Thurman has the, the talent and the ability. I think he can flatten anybody. Um, I don't know how much the injury helped hurt him, the time off, if it helped or hurt him. I... I have a hard time picking Keith, even though I think he can win this fight. I think Porter wins a, a very close and ugly split decision. And that's ugly because I don't think the fight's going to be bad. I think it's going to be ugly because be, there's going to be a lot of inside fighting, some maulings, headbutts. It's just going to be like Sean's going to have to make this one ugly. He's going to have to use his strength and his inside fighting to win this fight. Yeah. And, uh, right now, I don't think any anyone's knocking anyone else out. Um I've seen Sean get caught and just being over-aggressive. We saw him get caught in the final round of a Broner fight. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Sean get knocked down, which drastically changes the fight for me. Um, so, you know, I've seen craziness in boxing. I was just in New York. Uh, there was a draw there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, a weird draw just because there's a knockdown. Um, but I, I'll narrowly give it to Thurman uh, on the cards. Maybe, I, I, don't, I don't even know, 7 to 5. It's going to be close. Um, I expect Thurman to get the first couple rounds, though, just off of the feeling out process. And then when Sean picks up and puts the pressure on, he'll win a lot of those later rounds. But I think it'll just be too late. And uh, I'll give Keith probably a good seven rounds to five victory. So yeah, it's going to be close. Hairs. I think if there's a knockdown, if there's a knockdown, that'll definitely be the difference. Um, I'm, I'm not... Again, I'm just not quite sure. Like this is this is really a pick and fight, and it's really a great fight. And hopefully, a lot of people watch this fight. Um, but just people don't give a shit about boxing. And you want to know why people don't give a shit about boxing? Because the announcement that we just had the other day that Canelo and Triple G are going to fight in September of 2017. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm gonna be here in 2017. Like, how are you gonna do that? Like, people are just like, oh, great. Like, Lord willing, we're all here to see this fight. But it's 15 months from now. Like, we don't care about that shit. It's not even spring. It's not even, a... it's not even the spring of 2017. <laughs> They're like, nah, nah, nah. It's going to be the fall of 2017. Like, damn. Like, a lot of stuff can happen. Like, you know, this is the problem that boxing has. Oscar De La Hoya, all he had to do, in my opinion, was tell fight fans, my guy's not ready. That's all there is to it. As much as he believes in himself that he can beat Gennady Golovkin, my guy isn't ready for a 160-pounder that can hit as hard as Golovkin can. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work my guy up to 160 
if we're going to eventually have this fight. But that's not what Oscar does. He keeps teasing the fight. And then he's, he has a handshake deal, which is flimsy as hell, um, which basically says, if everything goes right, these guys will fight in 2017. But you know how much shit can go wrong in 15 months? So in much fact, shit can go and wrong. More important, <laughs> and more importantly, every fight, like this, this basically tells me that you're going to give Canelo a bunch of bullshit fights before Golovkin. Because you're not going to risk your cash cow losing to before he gets to Triple G. Triple G can fight whoever he wants because nobody thinks anybody can beat him anyway. But Canelo's not an unbeatable force. You look at guys like Andrade, you look at a Lara rematch, you look at the Charlo brothers, you see a lot of guys that can give Canelo problems and expose him. But what you want to do heading into a big fight is you want to make your, your, your box office attraction look good. So they're going to have to give Canelo guys that he can knock the fuck out. And that's not exciting for anybody. No, that's not great. It'd be great. It'd be great if this was happening in like three weeks, like if Canelo like went to the Olympics and just started knocking the shit out of people, and then in September he's fighting Triple G. But if I got to wait 17 months for this to happen, and we have to hope that nobody gets injured, we got to hope that, like, what if Floyd Mayweather woke up and said, hey, Canelo, I want to fight you. That fight goes to hell. Just come on, man. Like, stop fucking with us. Boxing fans are, are tired of being teased and bullshitted. Like, we dealt with it with Mayweather-Pacquiao. We don't want to deal with it again. But with it's the Golovkin norm Canelo. That's the problem. It's the norm. It and they're saying you're going to have to get used to it. Because Canelo went in the, uh, after the ring. Uh, after the fight, he was in the ring talking all that shit. Mexicans don't run. I'll fight him right now. Where is he? At 160 pounds. I don't care. And... All that was for nothing. It was all a lie because boxing doesn't let it happen. And they're telling their fans, no. it's all about timing. And whatever our timing is, you're going to like this shit. And you bought Mayweather Pacquiao after five years of stalling. It didn't delay anything. Like, it, it didn't decline the sales of that fight. It was the biggest fight in history. And you guys waited five years after. If anything, it made the fight more uh, just... More thrilling. And people wanted it more. And it was more exciting. And you knew the outcome. You knew Pacquiao wasn't the same. You knew Mayweather was going to dominate. And you paid more money for it. So instead of charging what would have been an unreasonable $60 per pay-per-view five years ago, we charged an incredible $100 a pay-per-view. And that's what De La Hoya sees. There's no downside to waiting. He believes his guy's not going to lose, and he will make sure of that, and he knows Triple G is good enough not to lose. There's no downside. See, so, and even then, Pacquiao you have, took you the have, loss, and they didn't even give a damn. Yeah, I mean, the difference between, like, Mayweather-Pacquiao was a fight with an undefeated fighter, Floyd Mayweather, who was not just big in boxing. He was a big mainstream attraction. Um, and he, he brought the business to boxing for better or worse, and in a lot of cases it's worse because people who are trying to find, find, uh, follow that blueprint won't do the same, uh, won't accomplish the same things. Um, I want to go back to a fight that, that Bob Arum was touting for years and, and it just kind of fell to the wayside. It was Juan Manuel Lopez and Yoriokas Gamboa, and he felt like this was going to be his big fight. And when these two should have fought, he decided to wait and give them interim fights. And Juan Manuel ended up finding a guy named Orlando Salido and getting the shit beat out and that fight with Gamboa and Wama never happened because they tried to wait and build it up. You can't do that with everybody. And Canelo's a guy who, my, my biggest problem with Canelo is he looks 
like he's beatable, and all he's fought are undersized guys. And if Mayweather Pacquiao did anything else, as big as that fight was, it ruined it for a lot of fight fans. The reason why nobody gives a shit about Porter and uh, Thurman this weekend is because they're still trying to rinse the disgusting taste of Mayweather Pacquiao out of their mouth. They don't feel like being hoodwinked and bamboozled. Boxing hasn't come up big in its big moments. When it's a big fight and you're supposed to tune in, they've been shitty results. We have not been pleased by what has been touted as fight of the years and things of that nature. Like big mainstream attractions just haven't paid off. And Canelo and Triple G, there's like no doubt that'll be a great fight. But why are we waiting for this thing to happen? And just be honest with us. You're not ready for your guy to get in there with a guy at 160 who can punch the lights out of a heavyweight. That's just say it. Just quit fucking with us. Yeah, and what it really does now is ruin any chance of a great trilogy. In, in fighting sports, we're so used to those great trilogy fights, or at least two. Give us something. That, that's what it's about. Two great fighters just going at it. Not just once, but time and time again, because you never know what's going to happen. And at this point, Triple G is going to be 35, and any trilogy is going to be washed anyway. Well, he ain't fighting a trilogy, because he's going to kill Canelo, and there won't be a trilogy. That, Canelo will not want to run that one back. <laughs> like, yeah, I just... I'm just I'm just putting it out there. People that say, "Oh, Canelo give triple," no, yeah, like y'all don't watch enough boxing. Like, I, I believe I believe in Triple G, just like I believe in Wonderboy Thompson. You're not gonna beat him fighting his fight. You have to be a boxer. Canelo's not a boxer. Canelo will get out there and that Mexican heart will come out and he'll get put to sleep. And that's that. No trilogy. It'll be it's gonna be brutally and one sided. You know, maybe maybe Canelo fights these fights in. These interim fights and beats up a bunch of bums, but I, I just like, what are you gonna do to make this fight any bigger than it, than it already is? Like, what are you gonna do in the next fifteen months? Months? Anything? Can can't do English? nothing. No, yeah, I was gonna say that's the only thing different. Can't learn English. I mean, he can't get a better knockout than what we just saw with Amir Khan. Like, realistically, he's not gonna knock someone out like that again. That shit was incredible. Oh, it, it, Triple G knocks everyone out, this, this, so we're just gonna see that again and again in repetition. So, I, I don't see the difference. No, it's stupid. Like, this is dumb. They shouldn't have done this. And now they're just, they're, they're treating, you know what it is? It's like treating boxing fans like children. Like, when, the children, when you take your kids to the store and they see something they want, and you go, ah, next time. And you know when you say next time, you're never going to buy that toy from them. You just hope they fucking forget. We're not going to forget. No. We're going we're gonna to come back to the store and be like, no, I want that shit now. And there'll be a revolt because we're not kids. We're fucking adults. And we have other things to watch other than boxing. You're going to turn more people to the UFC. You know how many times the UFC can run back fights like Conor McGregor, uh, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor G? Like, you know how many times Conor McGregor can fight in marquee fights in the same time frame that we're going to wait to see Canelo and Triple G? It's ridiculous. Conor McGregor might lose his belt, get another belt, lose his belt, and, and knock out GSP all in the same time frame. Who knows? So I'm saying, quit wasting time, quit bullshitting with us. Um, well, the one other thing we have to talk about, which, which is unfortunate. Well, actually, first, do you have a prediction on Anthony Joshua and Dominic Brazil? I don't feel like we have to spend a whole lot of time about two it. Two rounds. Because we're going to talk, long, yeah, like we're gonna talk longer than the fight lasts. <laughs> that's it, two rounds. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a wash. Um, I, don't, I don't see Brazil going very far, especially as the last two fights. Brazil didn't look too impressive. This is the Anthony Joshua showcase and. uh you know, the, the heavyweight division was was just now heating up. We got uh, Deontay Wilder getting ready to fight Chris Ariel. It's like you got a lot of freight trains running to each other. And then Tyson Fury goes and gets injured. Yeah, that's 
I mean, his ankle does look ugly. I'll give it to him. All right, cool. You got a sprained ankle. It does. It doesn't look pretty. You don't want to fight someone like Klitschko, who, think what you want about him. The guy was the best heavyweight in the world for damn near a decade for a reason. So you don't want to fight him anything less than 100%. The fight was boring as hell the first time. Um, this time, you expect Klitschko to come out with a little more fire. Fury would have to be at 100% to pull a second upset over him. Uh, so don't fight unless you're 100%. But it's still pretty shitty to pull out two weeks before the fight. This hardly ever ha- happens in boxing. We see this in UFC all the time. And if this was the UFC, yeah. Wilder would step right in right now. A two weeks notice to fight. Yeah, Klitschko. that's true. It's, it sucks. The heavyweight division is... Uh, I mean, boxing in general, just it needed uh, a rejuvenation of the heavyweight. It looked like we were getting with, with Joshua, Wilder, and whatever happens with Klitschko and Fury. But now with that fight being postponed i don't know at least we can see joshua fight this week and then we get wilder and uh ariel in the next few weeks but it sucks it, it sucks because the, the other reason why it sucks is because tyson fury has given us so much shit about retiring and not being in the box and like i don't even know how he comes back after this injury and goes back to training camp that's hard to do like when you're on a diet and or you're on a workout plan and you take a vacation and you eat shitty and you do whatever you want, which is what I think Tyson Fury does. You know how hard it is to get back into the gym? I don't know how, how Fury does it. I, the paycheck must be driving it. And that's it. Like, at this point, he's damn near the A side. Like, he's getting way more money than he did the first time. So he's just trying to, you know, sit pretty and get cushy. And But once again, a setback like this is like, damn. So you're going to go in there. You're not – I don't know if you get back to 100%. I mean, everyone's spraying the ankle playing ball or – doing something in your youth, they those linger. So it's especially yeah, it's one this bad. So I they're talking about October rescheduling. That's not might not be long enough. Um I, I just don't know. And it's a shame. Boxing's just really, really slow right now. They have the talent, they have the fights to make it exciting and to compete with the UFCs and other major sports and, and to give a quote unquote rejuvenation to the sport. But it's just so slow. Everyone's being built up to be the next great boxer. Or the timing's not right for this guy to fight this guy. And it's killing him. And in the UFC, it you is. see and guys I'm... like Cody Garbrandt. It's like, oh, you had two good fights? Cool, we're going to throw you in against Thomas Almeida. Both great prospects. Cool, you do that? You might get a title fight in the next two. Two fights. By the time next year rolls around this time, Garbrandt might be in the title chase. We might be talking about him next summer during the fight week getting a fight against Dominic Cruz or whoever's champion. UFC doesn't care. If you earn it, they throw you right in. If you are a star and you don't earn it, they're throwing you right in. I like Conor McGregor. You can talk your way into some shit. If you even look like a star, we're just going to throw you into the fire. And that's what boxing needs to start doing. It's, you can't build guys up for three years. So what? They take a loss, they take a loss. And that time, you, you run it back three times and earn the same money. You don't lose nothing in the long run. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's Fox's problem, man. It, it is terribly flawed, and there's no end in sight. And as much as I love the sport, I mean, we got, for instance, we got July 23rd, we got Terrence Crawford and Victor Postal, but nobody's buying that shit on pay-per-view because nobody cares. People don't care. People just don't care about boxing. And I love I love boxing. Boxing is one of my first loves. Like, everything that's on this podcast, I watch way too much. I watch way too much boxing. I watch way too much MMA. And I watch way too much pro wrestling. But boxing is on the bottom of the food chain right now, and it's just, it's the sport's own fault. Sanctioning bodies, too many promoters, and just a sport that chooses to labor 
and make us make us painfully wait for the fights that we want to see. And you can't do that, especially in the day and age where everything happens fast on social media and Twitter. Instant gratification nowadays. Yeah, like it, this isn't 1960 anymore. It's not 1980. You can't do that. There, damn, there's damn near no more regular mail. I get everything on my phone and my email instantly. Twitter's instant. Everything's fast. I think about something today, I forget yeah. about it tomorrow. Boxing is still crawling at a snail's pace. And right now, it's uh, the demise of boxing. Not the talent. It's the mismanagement of boxing that's hurting it. Not, not the fighters. People say there's no great fighters. Yeah. No, there, there's no great promoters. Um, the promoters are all older or doing stuff in an older way. And there's no one new and uh, smart enough to say, yo, this is how it has to be done for us to compete. It's just a different, it's a different world now. It is. And I mean, you know, I, I, I'm Amazon Prime. You know, I get my Amazon Prime. I make my order. I get my shit at my doorstep in two days. If When I order something from somebody else, that shit ain't here in two days. I got a problem with it. I never order from there again. <laughs> and it's like, I want my shit tomorrow. Like that, and that's just how I've been geared to function. Like, I want it now. Everybody wants their stuff now. Waiting, telling me that I can't have Golovkin, Canelo now, it's just going to piss me off and make me go elsewhere. It's like, and now we got Richard Schaefer's back in the mix, too, which, you know, we can spend more time talking about next week because we talked about too much shit on this show already. But what's he going to do? Is he going to be another name that, that has to debate with, with and feud with Bob Arum and Oscar De La Hoya to get his fighters against their fighters? Like, I can't deal with this shit. It's too much, man. frustrating, to say the least. Um, but for right now, we're done with this show. Next week, we got our new equipment. Our whole setup is coming together. Next week, we're back at the Las Vegas Fight Shop. Um, a lot of great things happening at the Fight Shop over the next couple of weeks. Gearing up for UFC 200 week. Uh, we're going to be busy doing a lot of work, but that also means a lot of great stuff on the podcast for you guys. So we're setting it up, trying to make sure that we have the best show for UFC 200 week and going forward into the summer. Like we said, there's a lot of busy stuff. We're, we have the brand split. We have boxing, uh, tons of UFC stuff. CM Punk announced his fight date, which we didn't even get to today. Um, nah, we'll talk about that next week as well. Yeah, so I mean, so much happening in the world of combat sports that we have to bring to you. But until next week, I'm Kel Dansby. Follow me on all social media, Twitter, IG, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I'm Andreas Hale, at Andreas Hale. You don't follow me by by now. I don't know I don't know what the fuck your problem is. <laughs> what you waiting <laughs> that's for? That's um follow exactly. the show at the corner LSN on all social media. Uh we'll be posting stuff there. You can find our show there. You can find us on multiple platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere, so there's no excuse not to listen to us. Next week we should be on the same time as usual. No more of these Friday shows. So check for us on Wednesdays and throughout your work week. Until then, we're out. Peace.